Good morning. On this Sunday morning, we are going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. If you are a visitor with us this morning by way of the video, maybe the first time you're with us, I am preaching through the uh, Gospel of John. I am preaching through it just as it is written, taking it section by section. And we are looking this morning, or we find ourselves this morning, at John chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. So that is the passage of Scripture that we will be looking at this morning. In John 2, verses 18 through 22, this is what we read. So the Jews said to him, to Jesus, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Well, our first point this morning is show us a sign. Last Sunday we looked at the first time that Jesus cleansed the temple in Jerusalem. If you were with us last Sunday, I made the case that there were two temple cleansings, that Jesus cleansed the temple early in his three-year ministry, and then at the end of his three-year ministry, in the last week of his ministry, he cleansed the temple a second time. He did it again. And last week, we looked at the first temple cleansing. Jesus comes to the temple in Jerusalem. He comes to the court of the Gentiles, a place built for the worship of God. And Jesus saw those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and those who were exchanging money. And as I shared with you last week, this was the Passover and people were coming from all over Israel to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And many of those travelers did not bring their own animal, nor did they have the proper coin and currency to pay the temple tax. You had to pay with the official temple currency at the time. And so a family would come and they would buy an animal and they would exchange their money for the proper money to pay the temple tax. But at the very heart of what we looked at last week, this entire setup of buying and selling in the temple court had gone from a sincere way to help travelers to a very lucrative money-making business. Those who were selling the animals, those who were exchanging the money, were making big profits off what they were doing. And so as Jesus comes... He sees that the worship of God is no longer important or central to those who sold the animals and exchanged the money. And in John chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16, it says, In making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changer and money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Just drives them out. Drives them all out of the court of the Gentiles, out of the temple courts. And in verse 17, 
It says his disciples remembered that it was written, that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was consumed, absolutely consumed with the proper worship of God in the building that was built for the worship of God. And as I shared last week, and this was really at the heart and soul of what I shared with you, Jesus was not, he was not some angry wild man who just went in there and drove everybody out. No, he was a broken-hearted Savior. Absolutely broken-hearted. Deeply hurt at what he saw going on in the temple because he was so zealous for the worship of God in this beautiful place that was built for the worship of God. And so that's where we ended last week. And that brings us to the passage that I read for you this morning. After watching Jesus cleanse the temple, the Jews are furious and demand a sign. In verse 18 it says, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Who do you think you are? What gives you the right to come into our temple and just drive us out? By what authority are you doing this? And in verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. This is a cryptic response, a veiled response. And he says this on purpose. In fact, Jesus' response here is considered one of the most cryptic lines in all of literature. They want a sign, and Jesus says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Well, in verse 20, the Jews are flabbergasted. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? What are you saying? What do you mean by that? Now, let me give you just a little bit of background. The temple at that time was known as the Temple of Herod. Herod began the building of that temple in 20 BC. It was now approximately AD 26, so the Jews were correct. It had been 46 years since they had started building the temple. Actually, it would be completed. The temple in its fullness would be completed in another 37 years in AD 63. And as some of you may know, then seven years later, in AD 70, the Romans would come and totally destroy the temple. They would demolish it. They're thinking, destroy the temple and you'll raise it up in three days? Totally missed what Jesus was saying. Totally. And in verse 21 we read, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. He was speaking about his own death and resurrection. And they missed it. But in verse 22, it says this, and this will play a key role in the rest of this sermon. In verse 22, it says, When therefore he was raised from the dead, hold on to that. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. 
When he was raised from the dead, the disciples figured out what he was saying way back then. Well, that all leads us to our second point, and that is three important teachings. And this is really the heart and soul of my message this morning. In this passage, in verses 18 through 22, there are three very important teachings that come out of this. The first teaching is this. First, you cannot understand the Word of God without the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. I have taught on this. The other pastors have taught on this over the years. Unless you are born again, unless you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, you cannot truly understand the words of Scripture. You cannot understand in all of its fullness what God is saying, what God is teaching in His Holy Word. One of the most important passages in the New Testament on this subject is 1 Corinthians 2.14. And we read, The man without the Spirit, Spirit is capitalized with a capital S, which means Holy Spirit, when you see that. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you are not born of God, if you have not come to know Christ as Savior, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, then the Bible, can seem like foolishness. You need the work of God in your life to understand his word to us. And the Jews who were at the scene at this time, the Jews were completely blind to what Jesus was saying. They did not understand the true intent of the Old Testament prophecies. Their hearts were not right with God. And so they are completely blind to what he is saying. James Montgomery Boyce has an excellent set, and it's a set of commentaries on the Gospel of John. And he says in his commentary, and I'm just going to quote what he says, he said, to those Jews, Jesus' words seemed idiotic. It was as if Jesus was speaking like an idiot. Yeah, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. What they did not grasp, they did not grasp that he was the Messiah. He was God in the flesh and he was talking to them. Imagine that. When you think about this scene, God is speaking to them face to face and they miss it. They completely miss what he is saying. One writer said this, and I thought it was interesting. If you don't believe the Bible, if you are a cynic and skeptic about the Bible, you wouldn't believe even if God were speaking to you face to face. If you don't believe the Bible, you won't believe even if God speaks to you face to face. Jesus teaches us this in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where Jesus tells us that if you do not believe Moses and the prophets, you will not believe even if someone comes back from the dead. That's how important the Bible is. That's how important understanding the Bible 
But the work of the Holy Spirit is to us. And what is interesting is the disciples eventually do understand. These fishermen, tax collectors, these ordinary men understand more than the Jewish religious leaders understood. Again, in verse 22, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Can you imagine that scene? Jesus rises from the dead, and they're like, guys, do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days? That's what he was talking about. He was talking about his resurrection. Now, if we tie verse 22 to verse 17 from last week, in verse 17, it says his disciples remembered that it was written. How did they know what Jesus was doing? Through their own study of the word of God. Through scripture, they understood that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Oh, folks, I want to say to us, if you want to know God, if you want to fellowship with God, the way you do it is through reading the Bible, studying the Bible, asking the Holy Spirit to sincerely, genuinely open up the words of Scripture so that you can understand them, so that they can open your spiritual eyes and heart and you can fellowship and worship with the living God. Oh, I know there is a place for academic study of the Bible, but do not, do not let the Bible just become an academic book for you. Let God illuminate your heart and mind so you can truly understand what he is saying. Don't be blind. Don't be blind like these Jewish religious leaders were. So the first important teaching is you cannot understand the word of God without the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. The second important teaching. Second, the death and resurrection of Christ are the supreme sign of God. And he would do it only one time. Only one time will Jesus die and rise again, the complete, final, ultimate sacrifice. And I just want to challenge you this morning that the supreme sign that Jesus did, greater than all of his miracles, was his resurrection from the dead. That was the greatest sign of all. In Acts chapter 17 and verses 30 and 31, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the men of, of Athens. And this is what he says to them. He says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. This is a great passage. God is calling men everywhere to repent. God has set a day when he will judge the world in justice by the God-man, Jesus Christ. How can he do this? 
What's the evidence that God has the right or the authority to do this? The answer is in the last sentence. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead, by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's connect verses 18 and 19 of our passage this morning. So the Jews said to him, after he cleanses the temple, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You want a sign? I am the sign. My resurrection from the dead, my death and resurrection will be the eternal proof. It will be the eternal evidence that I am the Messiah, that I am the Son of God, that I have come to be the Savior of the world. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days because my resurrection is the ultimate sign. You see, he did answer their question. Show us a sign. What sign do you show us for doing these things? And he answered them. My resurrection from the dead. And we know that forgiveness and eternal life can only be found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest sign of all, the sign above all signs. And so the second important teaching is this, the death and resurrection of Christ are the supreme sign of God. Well, our third important teaching. Third, Jesus has become the new temple. And he is now the means and central focus of our worship of the true and living God. Jesus has become the new temple. Now, as I work through this point, I want you to think with me carefully. Because this isn't something we hear real often, and this is one of the most important passages in all of the Bible on this particular subject. Jesus is the new temple. He's now the means and central focus of our worship of God. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he became the temple to which you now must go to worship God. Jesus knew that in his foreknowledge, he knew that the Temple of Herod would be destroyed in AD 70, as I mentioned before. But did you know the temple was rebuilt? Did you know that? The temple was rebuilt on the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Do you know what we call ourselves as a church? We are the body of Christ. We are the body of the new temple. We are the body of Christ. Christ is the means and the focus of our worship of God. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is with his disciples on a Sabbath day. 
and his disciples are picking grain and they are eating it and the Pharisees come along and say, hey, they're working on the Sabbath day, they can't do this. And so Jesus has a confrontation with the Pharisees. He has this heated debate with them over the purpose of the Sabbath day. It's where he tells them that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And in the midst of that conversation, he says this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 6. Jesus says, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. It's a very important verse, kind of just stuck in there. He says, I tell you one greater than the temple is here. He was talking about himself. He was talking about himself. In John chapter 4, Jesus is engaging in conversation with the woman at the well. And in verses 21 and 23, we read, Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus says a time is coming. He says to this woman, a time is coming. Do you know what that time is? Do you know what the time that has now come is? It is time for his death and resurrection. A time is coming when worship will no longer be attached to Jerusalem. Worship will no longer be attached to any physical location. Worship will be found in the resurrected and living Christ because he is the new temple, our means, and the focus of our worship of God. And so he tells her, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth because they will worship through me. In essence, this is what Jesus is saying. He is saying, I am the new temple. When I rise from the dead, people everywhere, people from every people group in the world will now come to God through me. There will be no pilgrimage to Jerusalem. There will be no Hajj to Mecca. There will only be one journey now that you need to take. And that journey will be from sin and disobedience to salvation in me. Only one journey we need to take now. And that is to repent of our sin and disobedience and to come to Jesus to find a full and free forgiveness, a full and free salvation in him. Let me bring this all together. Jesus says, you want a sign? You want a sign for why I cleansed the temple? I'm the sign. I am the sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And that will be the greatest sign of all. You know, folks, if 
you know Christ as your Savior, all you have is Christ. Because all you need is Christ. All you have is Christ. And all you need is Christ. Christ is our salvation. He is our forgiveness. He is our eternal life. He is our new temple. For he is the slain Lamb of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is the greatest sign of all. And even in the new Jerusalem, when there will be a temple, it will only be the temple because the slain lamb will be there and we will worship him. Oh Lord, help the death and resurrection of Christ to be the focus of everything we do, of all of our teaching, of all of our fellowship together, and of all of our worship. For we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.